What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, uh, uh. Why did this fence have to be so high? Oh no, that didn't sound good. It was time to get out of here. But, ah! Uh, I seem to be stuck. Suddenly, a security team was blinding me with a flashlight and telling me not to move. Not that I could anyway. <sighs> they dragged me down. Then the next thing I knew... I was being pushed into a chair and interrogated by security guards. But all they got out of me was silence. A few minutes later, Mr. and Mrs. Langston showed up. Yeah, they're the wealthy couple who owns this mansion. They're the people that I was looking for. I suppose I did owe them an explanation. I'm sorry for this disturbance, but it's not what you think. I saw your job advert for a housemaid, and I wanted to apply but the guard said I was too young and refused to let me in. The thing is, my dad has a rare heart condition, and if he doesn't receive treatment soon, then chances are he won't make it. I really don't have any other choice. So please can I have the job and also six months' salary advance? Right at that moment, a girl my age fell into the room, peered at the Langstons, then started laughing. Carla... This is not acceptable. Aren't you ashamed of your appalling results for the Francis Academy entrance exam? You should be studying hard to redeem yourself. Not out partying at this hour. This Carla girl just rolled her eyes at them, then wobbly walked off. I noticed Mr. Langston comforting his wife, who seemed to be in much distress at the girl's inconsiderate behaviors. So this must be their daughter then. They sure seem to take her education seriously. And she applied to my school. Hmm. That gave me an idea. You know, if you want to improve Carla's academic performance, I can help you. They both gave me skeptical looks, so I showed them my academic records and told them how I was a valedictorian and had successfully scored a scholarship at Francis Academy. On hearing about my achievements, any apprehensions they had soon faded. And so, 
they'd come up with a plan. A risky one. They would pay for my dad's hospital fees until he fully recuperated if I took on the identity of Carla and flew to South Korea to study at an international high school there, while Carla would take my place and enroll at Francis Academy just as they wished. This deal sounded like the answer to my prayers, but I knew it would be tricky. Pretending to be somebody else in a completely different country was beyond my understanding, so I agreed to do it, but only on two more conditions. First, a guardian must be present, who would take care of all my paperwork and stuff. Second, after I completed the deal and returned, the Langstons had to help me get into my dream school, the prestigious GBA University, obviously. They gave it a thought, then shook my hand in agreement. It looked like we had a deal! The next thing I knew, I was in an elite neighborhood in Seoul, Korea. Whoa! Talk about luxury! So this was what it felt like to be born with a silver spoon in your mouth. Mr. Preston dropped me off at school and repeatedly told me not to draw attention to myself. Blah, blah, blah. Oh, by the way, Mr. Preston is the Langston's lawyer, and according to the contract, he's also my guardian. He seems oh so serious, but I guess he's okay. Whoa, this school looked so modern, the architecture was a work of art all in itself. I wandered around the endless corridors and tried to find my class. Everyone seemed quite friendly, and the class president, Minjun, even gave me a guided tour. All the students' outstanding paintings, photos, and models were displayed all across the campus. Countless classrooms of different subjects, from science to art, just made me gasp in awe. I was admiring the artwork, when suddenly Minjin blurted out, Sorry, I've got to go. Miss Lee is looking for me. It'll only take a few minutes, so wait here for me, okay? Then he rushed off, so I lingered around the hall. That's when I spotted a group of girls nearby. I recognized the one from my last class. I'm sure her name was Isabella. I was about to walk over to greet them when I realized they had this one girl cornered and were making fun of her hairband. Ugh! Where did you get that horrid thing from? I suppose it must have come from some thrift shop or something. I heard that's where poor people shop. <laughs> Ugh, this whole thing disgusted me. They outcasted someone just because she didn't come from ridiculously rich households like them. <sighs> I knew that poor girl's feeling all too well. I gotta help her. But I didn't want to get anyone's back up and draw attention to myself. Hmm, what could I do? Ah, got it. Hey, the teacher's coming. I'll stall her for you guys. Run! My plan worked a treat, as Isabella and her friends nodded at me, then rushed off. I then went over to the girl asking if she was okay. Get away from me! She flinched me off her, and then ran off. Huh? I was only trying to help. As I turned around, I saw Minjin looking at me. A bit impressed, I think. He told me that the students here were divided into two groups. 90% are rich and the remaining 10% are poor kids entering under scholarships. Most of the students are quite friendly to each other. Well, except those I just witnessed. Isabella's part of the rich kid group, who think their upbringings make them superior to others. She's often mean to the 10% group, as she believes they don't deserve to be here. And as you can guess, 
That girl they upset? She's called Susie. She's in the 10% group, and she's the smartest student in our year. What nonsense! School is school. We're here to study and should all be treated equally. Too right, new girl. I knew there was something different about you. The next day, when class was over, Isabella tapped on my shoulder and thanked me for the warning. Then she asked me to join her group for lunch. I was about to politely refuse when Minjin appeared and asked me to join him. Phew. Thanks to Minjin, I had an excuse to quickly flee the scene. However, I did look back and see that Isabella was giving this offended look. After that, Minjin and I started hanging out more. We soon became close friends, and we both decided that the dynamics around here needed to change. So, we set out to help the 10% Club. One lunchtime, Isabella and her clan purposely bumped into this boy, causing him to spill food all over himself. While they laughed and pointed at him, I rushed over there, took the food, and slammed it onto Minjin's face. Minjin immediately understood my intention. Then he also took a handful of noodles and smeared it all over Isabella. Cue the canteen erupting into one big, messy food fight. <laughs> Another time, the school was preparing for a cultural fair. One boy from the 10% group had this awesome idea to open a food stall serving traditional dishes from different countries. Everyone agreed, apart from, yep, you guessed it, Isabella and her snooty besties. Such a peasant. Too used to working as a waiter to serve others, huh? I winked at Minjin. Then we stayed behind and secretly wrote Isabella and her friends' names on the list of participants and submitted it to the teacher. Now, they had no choice but to serve food at the super-crowded fair. The funniest part was they finally got a taste of their own medicine when the 10% group made the most of ordering them around and complaining. Ew, this ratatouille is too bland. Add some more salt. And this milk tea is too sweet. Start a new batch with less sugar. I have to admit, I was enjoying watching the mean kids squirm. But I guess my enjoyment hadn't gone unnoticed, as afterward, Isabella approached me. Those peasant kids aren't at the same level as you and I. I suggest you put more care into who you choose to associate with, or you could end up being treated like they are. Whatever. I just rolled my eyes, walked away from her, then continued to hang out with my friends in the 10% group. Isabella and her minions gave me dirty looks, but due to the Langston's name and fortune, that's all they could do. Just like that, my high school years passed by. I had some great friends. And guess what? Yep, I was now dating Minjin. I loved being here in South Korea, and I'd even grown fond of Preston who, despite being a grumpy gut, now felt like family to me. I mean, don't get me wrong, I missed my family back home like crazy. But Dad was getting better now, and we regularly FaceTimed. As amazing as my life was now, deep down I always felt like I was living in a dream. None of this truly belonged to me, and everything would be over as soon as I left this place. And eventually, my last week here arrived. As I was studying for my last ever exam, the SAT, I received a message from an unknown number. I know your secret. Drop out of the test, else I'll expose you. What? Who could it be? I called the number and a distorted voice answered the phone. 
I begged them to tell me why they were doing this, but they just replied, You don't need to know. Just do as I said. Then they hung up. Luckily for me, Preston isn't just an amazing lawyer, he's also a tech genius. Thanks to him, we tracked down the location of the phone. Hmm, I bet you're just as curious as I am to find out who it was. And now is the moment of truth. Huh? No way! Standing there looking startled was... Susie! Why would she do this to me? It made no sense. I mean, I know we weren't friends, but I had nothing against her. Why did she despise me to the point of willing to ruin my life like this? Please let me explain. Ever since you arrived here, I lost my top spot at school, which means I've also lost a full scholarship to college. My family will never be able to afford it themselves, so I decided to investigate you. And that's when I found out that you were not the real Carla Langston, and you got paid by her parents to achieve all these academic records for her. I get why you're upset, but you didn't have to blackmail me. You don't strike me as someone who would do such a thing, so it's kind of disappointing that you did. I'm not. I... I'm a dead end, Irene. You have to understand. This is my entire future I'm losing here. And what for? So some rich, spoiled girl can get into college without doing any of the work? <sighs> it seemed like I had a lot of thinking to do. In the end, I realized all I felt towards Susie was pity. This was all my fault, and it wasn't fair for someone as capable as Susie to have her entire future ruined because of me. So I had to be the bigger person here. I decided to ask the Langstons to give Susie the spot at GBA University, which was previously reserved for me as part of the deal. I mean, no worries. With this big brain, I could easily get in there on my own, right? And so, as soon as I was done with the test, I quietly left South Korea behind, without saying goodbye to anyone, including Minjin. Susie and I boarded the same flight back to the state. She couldn't help but thank me all the way there. And, well, let's just say, by the time the plane landed, we became good friends. But things didn't all go as swimmingly as I intended. It turned out Carla was even more negligent than first thought. All she managed to get was a high school diploma with shockingly bad grades. These were now my bad grades. My dream of attending a prestigious university was over. <sighs> I'd just have to make do with a community college instead. A year flew by, and there wasn't a single day that I didn't think about South Korea or Minjin. I couldn't talk to him anymore. I promised the Langstons I'd cut all ties with my life there. I mean, Susie was the exception. One day while going out with Susie, she was showing me something interesting on Facebook, when we happened to scroll past a post of Minjin's, which read, Finally I found you, the love of my life. My heart sank. Wow. It looked like he'd found someone else, while my heart still pined for him. <sighs> but life still goes on, and a week after that, I was waiting for Susie outside of her college, daydreaming how this could have been my life. I saw a familiar face heading towards me. Was that... Minjin? But wait! He was with a girl. Carla! Hang on, his Facebook post was about her? The love of his life was Carla? I couldn't do this right now. 
so I willed back tears as I took a deep breath and turned to walk away. But suddenly, I felt a hand pull me back. It was Minjin. It's really you! I finally found you! I've been looking ever since graduation, and then my information led me here into... Me! Carla appeared next to him and smirked at me. Hey, who am I to stop the course of true love? So I told him your real name and helped him search for you. I mean, you're smart, so I figured you'd attend this university too. No, you messed up my grades, remember? Anyway, it doesn't matter anymore. I turned and looked at Minjin. I'm so sorry, Minjin. I wanted to tell you everything, but I couldn't. He took my hand in his and gave me this adoring smile. I found you. And trust me, right now, that's all that matters. Hi everyone, my name is Cassie, and I'm so perfect that all the boys lose their heads over me. However, at some point, all that changed. Well, I'm so perfect that I shine brighter than the sun. I mean, there's got to be a reason why all guys lose their head over me, and probably their vision, because I'm a real dazzler. Every one of them dreams of being my boyfriend, and I'm hoping amongst all this mighty crowd to find the one who will also dazzle me with his brilliance, and ideally with some diamonds. Boys fight for my attention all the time. I'm used to it. Once, two boys even did a motorbike race for me. I sat bored in the bleachers of the stadium, painting my nails while they rode around. I have no idea what they were trying to accomplish. I left the stadium immediately after a local rich kid texted me. Oh, you have no idea how long I've been on the hunt for him. For the first time in my life, I had to chase someone, instead of turning around and laughing at the poor saps who tried to chase me. But unfortunately, I got my hopes up for nothing when Mark asked me out. He just invited me to a party, and then he just treated me like a friend. But it's better than sitting in the stadium and waiting for two idiots to finish a useless race. Anyway, I was enjoying my life as Miss Perfect. At some point, however, I sensed something wasn't right. In fact, I noticed various prophetic signs as early as this morning. For instance, my hairdryer stopped working. I accidentally broke a nail with a nail file. How is that possible? Well, somehow, it is possible. I must have been cursed by some evil nail master spirit. Also, I was in such a hurry to get to school. I wore a shirt that totally didn't match the skirt. At first, I wasn't surprised that the boys weren't paying attention to me. After all, I wasn't in the best shape, and they must have noticed my broken nail. However, it turned out to be much worse. A new girl came to our school who wowed absolutely everyone with her beauty. Even Mark, who I'd been chasing. That's when I knew I was screwed. Not only was she more perfect than me, I wasn't even in the best shape that day. And the new Miss Perfect also noticed my broken nail, my flawed hairstyle, and my horrible shirt. Who is that? I asked my classmate. Her name is Rebecca, and she's joining our class. What? She's going to be our classmate? Oh no! As soon as the new girl walked into class, I was afraid that all the guys were going to choke on their drool. How pathetic and ridiculous they looked. I just sighed heavily and sent out a group message. 
that I was inviting everyone to the party on Saturday. After all, I've been in the school longer than Rebecca, and I've built up quite a reputation. Plus, my parties are legendary. But no one showed up on Saturday. I, of course, was outraged, so I tried to find out where everyone had gone. As it turned out, Rebecca was also having a party that day, and everyone went to her place because she had a pool and a cool DJ was playing. This is outrageous! I yelled out. I was so angry, I smashed a carafe full of punch. I couldn't take it anymore and I went to the party too. I wanted to know what I was being traded for. There was lots of delicious food and drinks. Guys were swimming in the pool and the DJ was rocking the crowd on the dance floor. Whatever, nothing fancy, just a regular party. Mine would be cooler. When Rebecca approached me with a tray of snacks on it, I gave her an arrogant look and smacked her on the arm. And all the food went flying onto the ground. Who do you think you are? You come to our school and decide you're in charge? No, that's not going to work. I'm in charge. You're nobody and will stay that way if you continue to show off. The new girl started crying. I was pleased with myself for bringing Rebecca to tears. But I didn't expect all the boys to turn against me. The boys immediately started calming her down. Why did you come here? You've only spoiled everyone's mood. Get lost! Their bluntness made me gasp for air. Rebecca was embraced by my admirers, and I was supposed to leave? What? Am I in a parallel universe? I had no other choice. I left the party in tears. The next day, I was in for a real shock. Mark gifted Rebecca a red Porsche. He was moved by the girl's tears that he decided to cheer her up. Happy Rebecca hugged the boy and kissed him on the cheek while I burned with jealousy and anger. Porsche? Seriously? Just over some tears? If I had known it was that easy, I'd be throwing tantrums for Mark every week. I wanted to throw rotten eggs at that car, but that would probably ruin my reputation even more. Instead, I decided to be friends with Rebecca, and then after, I discovered all her secrets. Destroy her. But as soon as I approached the new girl, she was immediately surrounded by her high school football players, who used to carry me in their arms. Stay away from her. One of them said, I just wanted to talk. You already talked once and made Rebecca cry. We won't let her get hurt. You go near her again and we won't let you get away with it. Got it? Threatened the other one. Holy crap, are they all crazy? Maybe Rebecca had some kind of magic and put a spell on all the guys. I thought nobody would ever look at me now, but I still had admirers outside of school. So I decided to start dating one of those motorbike guys who did a race in my honor back then. His name was Zach. He won, by the way. We drove up to the supermarket on this awesome motorbike, and we looked great. Right up until the moment when Rebecca and Mark pulled up in their limo. They made us look lame and ridiculous. At the store, Mark was buying Rebecca everything she pointed her finger at, and I had to choke down a cheap candy bar because my boyfriend spent most of his money on gas. Hey, I caught Mark by the arm and took him aside. Do you know she's taking advantage of you? Rebecca's a nice girl, and she's not capable of that. You, on the other hand, really liked my money, and you were the one who wanted to take advantage of me, so back off. He pushed me away and walked over to Rebecca holding a brand new purse. No, that's not how it works. If this little upstart thought she could outshine me, she's dead wrong, because I wasn't about to give up without a fight. First, I decided to find out more about who Rebecca was. Luckily, my boyfriend's dad was a cop, 
so I was able to get some information about her. Turns out, Rebecca and I went to the same primary schools. I immediately remembered an invisible girl who I used to make fun of a lot. No one ever noticed her because all the attention was on me. Was she now determined to get back at me? I also found out that one time, Rebecca got into a serious fight with some girl and her parents got a fine. Hmm, why don't I just get her involved in a fight? Then her reputation would definitely be ruined. Well, why would you do that, Cassie? Zach asked while waxing his bike. I want my reputation back. I want everyone to lose their head over me again. But you already have me. Why do you need others? The guy hugged me, and I wanted to scream at his stupidity. What do you mean, why? Zach was not the best option. I wanted guys like Mark, not poor guys on motorbikes. You wouldn't understand. It's, you know, a girl thing. I giggled stupidly. The next day, I did my best to provoke Rebecca, but she remained calm and I was about to say goodbye to my reputation at school forever when I overheard a very interesting conversation. Rebecca was talking to my classmate and telling her how annoying Mark was and that she only puts up with him because of the money. She also added that she's sick of all her followers and that she wanted to steal my boyfriend. Wow, that was unexpected. It's a good thing I filmed the whole thing. I told Zach about it, but he wasn't supportive. Well, why don't you post that video for all to see? It'll only help her, and now she's suffering. But then everyone will be disappointed in her, and I'll go back to being Miss Perfect. To me, you're already perfect, and I would never look at someone like Rebecca. I don't know why, but his words really impressed me. No one had ever said anything to me like that before, and Zach was able to surprise me and make me feel good without money or gifts. But despite that, I didn't want to back down from my plan. Putting the video online was too easy. What about playing it during our traditional end-of-school-year ball? The effect would be amazing. For me, of course. When I got to the prom, I wasn't surprised to see all the guys hanging around Rebecca. Hardly anyone paid any attention to me. And I was about to give the memory stick to the prom host when I noticed something. Rebecca was reluctantly dancing with every guy and kept looking at me. I noticed the look of dissatisfaction on her face. Well, of course, but I couldn't care less about her, and the new girl just wanted to make me suffer. I looked at the memory stick, smiled, and put it away in my clutch. Zach was right. There's no need to ruin anything, because Rebecca, sooner or later, will ruin everything herself when she gets tired of the circus. I left the ball with a happy look on my face and went to my boyfriend's. So shall we go for a ride on the bike? I asked. Whatever you want, he answered. For the first time, I enjoyed our time together. We went to a secluded place, watched the sunset, and cuddled. At that moment, I didn't care about Mark or my reputation at school, and I certainly didn't care about Rebecca. But on the very last day of school, something interesting happened. As I walked down the corridor, I was suddenly attacked from behind. It was Rebecca. She started a fight right in front of everyone. You always piss me off. You drive me crazy now. I've done everything I can to ruin your reputation, and you don't even respond to it, she yelled. Everyone was shocked, and I pulled out one of her tricks and started crying. All the guys immediately ran up to me to console me. Even Mark came to my defense. That was the moment Rebecca destroyed herself and ran away from school in shame. You were right about her. Mark said. I'm sorry I didn't believe you at first. Do you want to go out sometime? He smiled and took my hand. Get lost. 
I said calmly. I'm not interested in people like you anymore. Everyone was shocked when I blew off this rich kid. I was relieved. I got my reputation back. Mark asked me out on a date, and I had the nerve to reject him in front of everyone. And then there was my boyfriend, Zach, waiting for me outside of school, who wouldn't trade me for any Rebecca. Being perfect is great, and being surrounded by admirers is fine too, but it's more important to be surrounded by people who see more than just your perfect looks. They see your soul. Zach made me realize that, and now I'm happy. Do you consider yourself a perfect person? Write your answers in the comments. I'd be interested in reading them. And be sure to share this video with your friends. Hi everyone, my name is Caroline, and I was homeless until the moment when billionaires took me to live in their luxurious mansion. Wondering how that happened? Stay tuned! One cold fall evening, I was trying to find money for food. Well, or just food, I didn't care. Ask me how it happened that I became homeless? Well, my parents died a couple of years ago, and I couldn't live in an orphanage because the local kids abused me. At one point, I ran away, figuring the streets would be easier for me. That night, I couldn't find a cent on the street and had already resigned myself to starving. Suddenly, I saw a well-dressed woman on her way to the supermarket. I immediately ran up to her and tried to steal her purse. Believe me, it wasn't my first robbery. The street dictates its own rules. However, at that very minute, some guy was right next to us. He pushed me away. Get lost, tramp, or you'll be in trouble. He threatened me with his fist. I didn't want to confront him and ran away. Well, now I had no food and money. But the next day, I had a surprise. The woman I was trying to steal from found me outside the supermarket, handed me a full bag of food and a warm jacket. Thank you, but why? You're too good to me. I tried to rob you. I had tears of gratitude in my eyes. I know you had to do it because of the way you live. She smiled. What's your name? Caroline. And why are you on the streets at such a young age? I told her the story of my life. The woman wept and promised to help me. I expected her to give me some more warm clothes and a sleeping bag and lots of food. But what happened next didn't just shock me. It killed me. In a good way, don't worry. A woman arrived in a luxury car with her husband. At this time, I was eating a baguette, trying to stretch it out into the evening. Well, that's it, Caroline. You're coming to live with us now, said my savior and smiled. Wh what? I was so shocked. I choked on a piece of baguette. A girl like you shouldn't be living on the streets. We want to adopt you. Is that what you want too? She asked. Of course I said yes. And who wouldn't refuse in my place? On the way, I was modestly silent and terribly worried. And when we arrived, I was speechless. Now I'm going to live in a luxurious mansion, like a real castle. I was incredibly happy until I saw the guy defending my new mom. Oh, I forgot all about him. I bet he wouldn't be happy to have me in his house. Who the hell is she? He frowned at me as we got out of the car. Nick, this is your new sister, Caroline. We've decided to adopt her. Are you out of your mind? She's the tramp who tried to rob you, Mom. Nick, I get it, but it's my decision and your father's. We always wanted a second child, but you know yourself that we can't have any more. So get a normal kid from an orphanage. 
Nick, Caroline lives here now. Accept it, said the father sternly. Nick immediately calmed down. His father seemed to be an authority he didn't risk arguing with. The boy muttered something to himself and went into the house, slamming the door loudly. Mr. and Mrs. Gilbert showed me my room, which I was absolutely delighted with. A huge bed, my own walk-in closet, lots of new and beautiful things, and a private bathroom. It's like heaven. I couldn't even dream of that. I immediately fell on my bed and cried with happiness. Now I had a home and a family. I'm not alone. But I was having trouble with Nick. I tried to get through to him, but the guy was stubbornly ignoring me. But what pissed Nick off the most was that his best friend had found common ground with me. Brian was a nice young man. He treated me like a regular girl, even though he knew I was from the streets. He helped me study. When my parents hired teachers to homeschool me, he talked to me, and even taught me how to play PlayStation. And then one day, I overheard an unpleasant conversation. How can you socialize with that tramp? Nick asked angrily. She's normal. It's your sister. She's not my sister. She's the trash of society. I felt so hurt by those words. I couldn't hold back my tears. I went down to the living room and stared at a picture on the wall for a long time. I really liked the painting. I couldn't help myself, so I went and touched it. If you touch it again, you're out of the house. Nick threatened me when he came in. What? If I find you stole something or invited your tramp friends over, I'm not gonna be nice to you. I'll throw you all out. I don't want to steal anything. For the first time, I decided to stand up for myself. I'm not what you think I am, and you'd know that if you weren't such a jerk. We would have kept fighting, but my parents came back. They gave me an expensive phone with a bunch of diamonds on it. Nick just snorted and went back to his room, and I was as happy as a baby. The next day, I decided to take a little walk. It was a beautiful day. I was listening to music on my phone when suddenly I was stopped by some vagrants with whom I used to feud. The thing is, I've always been on my own, and a lot of people didn't like it. Seeing me in my new clothes and with a cool new phone like this, the tramps just jumped on me without a word, stealing all my money, phone, and even my new jacket. They did me bad, and I sat down on the pavement and cried. How bad I felt! But then help came from somewhere I didn't expect. Nick was there. He helped me up and asked me what happened to me. When he heard about the tramps, he called his friends to deal with my abusers. Honestly. My heart almost stopped when Nick and his friends fought the vagrants. The guys took my stuff back, and we ran from the cops, laughing for some reason. Nick, thank you so much. I hugged him. You're the best brother ever. The guy blushed and didn't say anything back, but I wasn't offended because his actions were more eloquent than words. When we got home, mom was shocked to see a battered Nick. He brushed it off and said it was okay. My father, on the other hand, was not happy about it. The thing is, my adoptive parents are billionaires, and reputation is very important to them. They were afraid of any scandal, so they raised Nick in a strict manner to keep him out of trouble. Nick got very angry when his father told him off, so I decided to console my brother. As it turned out, it pissed Nick off that he lived in a rich family in the first place. You see, money is a weapon to reach some goals. But it's not about happiness. My dad wants me to carry on his business, 
and I want to be a doctor. And we fight about it all the time. I even felt sorry for Nick, even though I didn't understand him. He had everything since he was a kid, but he doesn't appreciate it because it's not money that matters to him. It's the dream. If he lived in the street, he'd start appreciating everything he has. But then I realized what Nick meant. My father had arranged a business meeting at home with his partners, ordering Nick to attend. I could see that Nick wasn't interested at all. He even got hung up on the phone a few times, for which he received a stern reprimand from father. My father, very cleverly, without descending to insults, humiliated Nick. I felt really bad for my brother. So, I stood up for him. Dad smiled at me and said that I didn't understand anything and that he knew better how to make his son happy and more importantly, rich. Nick was touched that I stood up for him and for the first time, he called me sister and hugged me. Thank you. No one ever stood up for me, he said. I believe in you, Nick. Don't give up. Follow your dreams to the end. But I didn't think my words would have that effect on him. The thing is, that night, Nick ran away from home. He left a note in the living room, saying he'd rather be lonely and poor, but happy and free. My parents immediately pulled all the strings to find my brother, and my heart froze with fear. What if something happened to him? then it would be all my fault. I was the one who encouraged him to follow his dream. Idiot! My parents couldn't sit still, so they went looking for Nick too. It didn't take us long to find my brother. He was surrounded by a gang of vagrants who wanted to get back at Nick for the last incident. They wanted to attack him in a group. We jumped out of the car right away, scared off all the vagrants and took Nick away. Son, that's not manly. You ran away like a coward. I ran away because I'm sick of you. I don't want to go into business. My goal is to help people and heal them. This argument went on all the way. At one point, Dad got so nervous, he lost control of the car. We hit a pole. Nick hit his head hard on the dashboard. My mom and I got scared. Dad seemed fine. My brother lost consciousness, and Mom immediately dialed 911. What kind of misfortune is following us? Luckily, Nick wasn't seriously injured, but we were so scared for him. We cried in the room while they bandaged his head. I'm fine, don't worry. He smiled at us. It must have had some effect on my father and he mellowed. Nick, after all, was allowed to study to be a doctor. He was no longer bogged down with business meetings, which my brother hated so much. But there was another problem. You haven't forgotten about Nick's best friend, Brian, have you? Well, he confessed his feelings to me. I was speechless. I didn't see Brian as a boyfriend. He was a friend to me. Nick, on the other hand, was very concerned. He was against us dating. But why? Brian asked. She's my sister and you're my best friend. This is a bad idea. It wasn't so long ago that you didn't think of her as your sister. A lot has changed, Brian. I'm against it. I don't want her to be in a relationship right now and then suffer through a breakup or a fight. Caroline needs to study. Brian didn't like that. Then I had to get into a dialogue and explain to the guy that I wasn't interested in relationships yet. Brian got upset, but didn't insist on anything. Eventually, I got used to the luxurious life, and Nick became not just my brother, but my best friend, with whom I could talk to about anything. I'm glad this family came into my life. It's because of them that everything has changed for the better. Would you like to live in a billionaire family? Write your answers in the comments. I'd be interested to read them.
Also, don't forget to share the video with your friends. Bye! I suspected that my older sister was hiding something from us. I had to spy on her to find out the whole truth. Hello, my name is Robin and I want to share my story with you. One day, our biology <laughs> teacher caught some kind of infection. We weren't too worried about his health, rather the opposite. After all, we were free earlier. Joyful with vanilla ice cream in my hand, I was returning from school. There was no one at home. Taking advantage of the rare moments of silence, I lay down on the sofa. I was resting and texting with Jenna, when suddenly there was a click on the lock of the front door. Slowly, slinking like a cat, my sister Carrie entered the living room. I stayed unnoticed on the couch and made no sound. I watched her suspicious behavior. Everything would be okay if my sister didn't hold a Prada bag in her hands. My eyes just popped out of my head. You would understand me if you knew what a poor and conservative family we have. Parents believe that buying luxury branded items is unacceptable. And they gave us so little pocket money that it wouldn't be enough. I didn't know what to think. I decided to ask Carrie directly and knocked on her door. Usually it didn't lock, but not this time. Just a minute! The sister called from the back of the room. This also seemed strange and unusual to me. When Carrie opened the door, she looked flustered. Oh, it's you, she said with relief. Who were you waiting for? I thought maybe the parents returned earlier. What do you need? She wanted to get rid of me as soon as possible. I noticed a handbag in her hands. Carrie looked surprised. The handbag? From Prada? She laughed. <laughs> you imagined it. I don't have a bag at all. You must have confused it with a backpack. Carrie pointed defiantly at the backpack, which had been casually thrown on the floor. No, I definitely saw it. I insisted. Well, I know for sure that I don't have any handbag. I had to step back because I was sure that Carrie was lying to me. But why? I won't tell my parents the first time I get a chance. So that time, I left with nothing. Mom and Dad came home late from work. And in the evening, we all get together for dinner. That evening was no different from the previous ones. Carrie behaved as usual. I followed her every movement, every intonation in her voice. I thought maybe something would give her away. But no. She was the old Carrie. Talkative, cheerful. She talked the whole evening. What a tasteless lunch at school. Overcooked beans and cold potatoes. It was terrible. Parents nodded and answered something, maintaining an easy conversation. Of course, I kept my suspicions to myself. On an ordinary evening dinner, it would look stupid. For a while, I even forgot about the mysterious handbag until something else happened. One day after school, I was walking with my friend Jenna. We drank milkshakes and discussed which of the guys in class is the cutest. Kyle for sure. Jenna put forward the version. I didn't agree with her. Well, I don't know. I'm for Derek. Plus, he has a car. But Kyle's parents have a jacuzzi at home. So we would continue to list the pros and cons of the guys if I hadn't accidentally seen my sister in the restaurant window. Carrie was sitting at a table with a strange man. I, following some inner impulse, immediately hid behind a bush. What happened to you? Jenna asked in bewilderment, grabbing my hand. See that girl? I pointed at Carrie. Yeah? That's my sister. So what? She's sitting in an expensive restaurant with a stranger who's much older than her. 
It's very suspicious. If the parents saw Carrie now, they definitely wouldn't like it. Jenna just frowned slightly, not really delving into my family affairs. I wanted to understand what was happening with my sister and find out what kind of double life she was leading. During the day, Carrie is an ordinary schoolgirl, and by the evening, she lives someone else's life. Maybe she's a spy or a professional thief like Catwoman. It was necessary to act carefully. I didn't want to throw false accusations or blame her for something without evidence because she is very smart and resourceful. I needed a very good plan. I came home when Carrie was gone. Sister came late in the evening, what caused concern to the parents and incurred her wrath. Caroline, do you know what time it is? Menacingly asked the father. I don't know, like nine? No, it's already half past nine. My mother always spoke quietly, but at the same time, her voice was very menacing. At times like these, I wanted to hide away. Sorry, I didn't notice. You should work on your punctuality if you don't want to stay at home all next weekend. Carrie put on a guilty face and went upstairs. I didn't want to meet her on stairs, so I ran into my room and closed the door. I was left alone with my thoughts and compared some facts. In the restaurant, I saw my sister in different clothes. She was wearing an elegant dress, and she came home in her usual t-shirt and jeans. Carrie didn't want anyone to know her secret. That's why she carefully sweeps all the traces of her double life. Thoughts of Carrie wouldn't let me go even in bed. I tried to put forward various assumptions about what's going on with my sister. She walks in an expensive dress, wears a Prada handbag, and visits luxury restaurants. And also that man. I didn't like him right away. Some kind of unnatural with an arrogant expression on his face. I hope he didn't drag Carrie into something dangerous and illegal. Anything could happen. What if she became part of the criminal world or suddenly won the lottery? Now she's spinning in higher circles and maybe she's ashamed of us. These thoughts made my stomach hurt. I needed to know for sure. I've been wanting to do something for a long time, but everything could not be decided. I was sure that I needed to search her room while Carrie was at school. Our biology teacher is still holed up at home after the infection. So tomorrow, it'll be possible to leave early again. This is a great chance to find out what my sister is hiding. The next day, as I planned, I got home before Carrie. Jenna protested. She wanted to watch the football teams practice together. Her beloved Kyle played that day. But her tempting offer intrigued me, much less than my sister's secret. Sorry, I can't. I have urgent business. Someone died? I don't know yet. Leaving Jenna in disbelief, I rushed home. Our parents at this time of the day, as usual, disappeared at work. And Carrie was on her math lesson. Therefore, I had an hour or so for everything to be done. I can't lose a minute. I was going to be methodical. Explore one corner after another, in order not to miss something important. But when I entered the room, my plans went to hell. Curiosity was so great that I just pounced on the first cabinet shelves that I came across and began to turn everything upside down. Things flew like fireworks behind my back, and after a second, they fell on the floor. Fifteen minutes later, the floor was littered with Carrie's clothes. And at that time, I didn't care. How I clean it all up? I was burning with one desire, to find something interesting. And 
I succeeded. In a pile of socks, I found a silver box. I've never seen it before. I was glowing with excitement. What could be in there? It must be something secret. I slowly opened the lid and froze in amazement. The box was full of all sorts of jewels. There were gold chains, a diamond necklace, earrings with sapphires. I literally froze with my mouth open. I couldn't believe I see all this for real. Maybe I overheated and it's just a glitch, a game of my imagination. But before I could decide whether it was true or not, a voice came from behind me. Kick it, what are you doing here? Carrie stood in the doorway, staring in shock at the clothes lying on the floor. She didn't like anyone to enter the room in her absence at all, not to mention someone touching her personal things. I got scared. I couldn't say a word. I ask again, what the hell are you doing in my room? I hid the box behind my back. I, I, I was just looking for one thing. I thought maybe you took it by accident. Carrie gave me a furious look. I didn't take anything from you. How dare you do something like this? Well, I... What do you have behind your back? Squinted Carrie. Nothing. My sister moved towards me. I stepped back a little and leaned against the wall. I had nowhere to run. Carrie grabbed my hand and the box fell to the floor. The jewel scattered in a glittering heap. Thief! My sister screamed and attacked me. We grappled and fell to the floor. We haven't fought since childhood, but there was an exceptional case. I didn't steal anything! I tried to shout, but my sister didn't listen. I got angry too because she's the one who spreads the secrets. I just wanted to get the truth. After a five minute romp, we finally let each other go. I struggled to my feet and dusted myself off. At that moment, we were looking amazing. Tousled hair, eyes red with anger. Get out of my room! My sister hissed, like I wanna stay here. I slammed the door and went to my room. I fell on my bed. I literally seethed with anger. I wanted to tell my parents everything, but I decided not to. Carrie and I didn't talk for a whole week. She pouted and avoided me, but I couldn't let it go. I needed to know the truth, whatever it takes. I figured that the only way to find out my sister's secrets was to follow Carrie. I waited when she left the house and followed her using my spy skills. First, she ran into some diner. She came out of there in a new dress. I was a little jealous that she had such outfits. After the diner, Carrie headed to an expensive restaurant, one of those places where the richest and most powerful people in the city go. The same man sat down next to her at the table. Through the window, I saw my sister take a necklace out of her purse and hand it to the man. She said something to him, but I can't read lips. Though it was clear to me anyway, sister steals jewels and then sells them on the black market. I couldn't take it anymore. Without asking Carrie anything, I ran home and told my mom and dad everything. A scandal erupted in the evening, but it didn't turn out the way I thought. First of all, Carrie didn't steal anything. I don't know why I decided that. Maybe I watched too many spy movies. Secondly, she simply hid the fact that she had found a job and a very unusual one. One day she went to a jewelry store just to look at the jewelry. One diamond ring caught her attention. It seemed to Carrie that it was a fake, 
which she informed the seller about. He laughed, but then he nevertheless sent the diamond for examination. And a few days later, Carrie was contacted by the shop owner, trying to figure out how she knew the stone wasn't real. Sister couldn't really explain, citing intuition. The jeweler invited her to take a test and laid out several pieces. Carrie easily determined where the real stones were and where the cheap glass ones were. They offered her to work with the store, and then Carrie got private clients. Rich people wanted to know if fake diamonds had been sold to them. And for this service, they were ready to pay big money. But why didn't you tell us anything? Father asked. I was afraid. You forbade us to earn extra money and buy expensive things. That's why I did it secretly. It soon became clear that Carrie had earned almost a million dollars from this job. Wow, I didn't even think it was possible. The parents didn't get angry for long. At first, they wanted to forbid Carrie to do that. But then they decided that if she found her vocation, then they shouldn't interfere. For a while, Carrie sulked at me and continued to ignore me. After all, I gave her up. But then we made up and became sisters again. Carrie used the money she made to take me to the Côte d'Azur, where we rode a yacht and swam in the sea. It was an amazing summer. I'm glad that my sister found her favorite thing, even though her ability seems incredible. Have you ever suspected your loved ones of a double life? Tell us in the comments how your suspicions ended. This was like a dream come true. That gorgeous man in front of me is Ethan. My crush since I was just 14. Back then, Ethan was my dad's business partner. So he'd often come over to our house for dinner. For years, I adored him in secret. But now, at 19, I could finally be honest about my feelings. So when I ran into him by chance in the grocery store, I felt like it was meant to be. He invited me for a drink in the cafe nearby, and we instantly hit it off. We started dating. And now, we're an official couple. There's just one thing that worries me. Ethan is recently divorced and has a 10-year-old daughter, Clarice, who he has full-time. While daydreaming, I couldn't hide away from the thought of being someone's stepmom. Oh my, I didn't want to become a mom yet. Don't worry, Clarice is a cute kid. I just know you two will get along. Clarice gave me a devious smile the moment she saw me. Another fish got hooked. Huh? Hey, that's not the right manner. Apologize, now! Ethan immediately said. Clarice let out a loud, Ugh! Then reluctantly apologized. Great! When has it ever been easy to be friends with a naughty ten-year-old girl? I understand this better than most, as I have a little sister. She's either giving me a headache or crazing at me for candy and I could tell that Clarice was going to be no different. <sighs> One day, Ethan called me in a panic, saying he had an urgent business trip. They informed me at the very last minute. I didn't have time to find a babysitter. Can you help me take care of Clarice for a few days? What? I've only just met the girl, and now I have to mind her for a few days? I still didn't know what to say when Ethan continued. I'll make it up to you after this. And then... The next thing I knew, Clarice was at my front door. Oh gosh, somebody help me! Well, you know those girls that age, like my little sister? I kept pouring out while Mike just smiled and slightly shook his head. I have to make her like me to win over Ethan! So, lovely Mike. 
Can you please come hang out with us? Seriously? Please? Aren't you good with the ladies? Fine. You know I can't say no to you. I took Clarice to a theme park. She frowned the moment she saw Mike. Um, who's this? I don't like strangers. I smiled and said, This is Mike. He's really cool and I don't care. Cindy? What kind of situation did you drag me into? Man, I had to ask myself that question. This wasn't what I envisioned it to be. The outing turned into a competition between them. Clarice challenged Mike to play game after game with her until she won. In the end, they played with the water guns, and I knew for sure Mike let her win. But as soon as he let go of his water gun, Clarice squirted water all over him, leaving him completely drenched. Oops. What on earth is this? That's the price for the loser. <laughs> okay, Cindy, that's enough. Have fun. And he stormed off. Oh no, what have I done to him? I stood there dumbfounded, staring at Clarice. Okay, so it was kind of funny, but I couldn't laugh at my poor friend. I want ice cream. Clarice grinned, then skipped away. Hmm, ice cream. A girl after my own heart. On the way home, we talked so much about her fave show, The Babysitter's Club, and how Stacy is her favorite character. Hmm, maybe the day wasn't so bad after all. A few days later, Ethan returned, and I was really excited to see him. Thank you so much for taking care of Clarice. Meanwhile, I noticed Clarice was slowly backing out, with an awkward look on her face. I thought she'd be as happy as me to see him, but it didn't seem that way. Darling, are you okay? Are you sick? I... I'm okay. I need to go to my room. After that, at dinner, the question, are you sick, was raised no less than ten times, and it made me feel sick too. I said I'm not sick, and I don't want to see a doctor. Ethan, I think Clarice is fine, so maybe stop asking her. Hearing that, Ethan seemed uncomfortable and turned away. Weird. What was wrong with them? Maybe this was just something they did. Hmm. Whatever it is, I wasn't enjoying this heavy atmosphere. The next day after lunch, Clarice was helping me clean the table while Ethan was packing to go on his next trip. She insisted on washing the dishes while I said goodbye to Ethan. We were hugging in the doorway when suddenly I heard a loud scream coming from the kitchen. Ethan and I both rushed in there and saw Clarice crying as she gripped her hand. Ethan frantically asked, What happened? while I quickly searched for a first aid kit. I was washing the dishes, but I accidentally cut my hand. Cindy, I'm sorry. I wasn't being careful. Please don't punish me. What? What was she talking about? Ethan seemed to have the same question as me. Cindy always makes me do the chores. She told me if I do them badly, I can't have dinner. Huh? Why was she saying things that weren't true? Turning pale with shock, I muttered out, No, that's not true. I, I don't want to stay here. Dad, let me go home. Clarice interrupted me as she was crying harder. I'm so sorry, but I have to go now. I don't even know if you're lying or not. How can you say that to me? Clarice shouted. 
You monster! Then she ran upstairs. I stood there not knowing what to do. My brain couldn't process what just happened. Ethan looked at me and sighed. Why didn't he say anything? He didn't honestly think I was capable of doing that. Did he? I decided I needed to confront Clarice about this. So I went up to her room and calmly said, Clarice, why did you say that? You forced me to do all the chores. What? How can you lie like that? I never do such a thing. Oh, but are people going to believe you or a poor little girl? Oh, my God. There was me, thinking she was a sweet kid, when in actual fact, she was the complete opposite. I rushed outside and, shaking, I pulled my phone out. I called Mike and told him everything. Oh boy, that kid is complicated. Maybe she doesn't want you to be with her dad. But even so, what she did was weird. I think you should stay away from them. But how to? I couldn't just run away. Besides, Ethan was on his trip, again, and I was in charge of her. So I kept my distance, no more talking or having fun. But it seemed that Clarice had other ideas. I was watching TV in the living room when Clarice appeared and pulled my shirt. Cindy, I want you to play video games with me. The more silent I was, the harder she pulled. No, Clarice, I'm not in the mood. I shouted, go play by yourself. Then I walked off. A few minutes later, Cass, a senior student, came over to give me some documents. We sat down and had some iced tea. Then suddenly, bam, and a cry. Oh no. Cass and I rushed to the noise. Clarice had fallen down the stairs in the basement and was surrounded by the laundry basket and dirty clothes. Cass quickly ran down there and helped her up. Are you okay? What happened? Cindy told me to do the laundry in time. The basket was so full, so I slipped. No, no, no! I screamed inside my head when Cass gave me a concerned look. Cass, please, I'll explain later. Can you please leave? Why? I screamed at Clarice's face the moment Cass left. If you don't play with me, you'll be a child abuser. You'll have to go to jail. Ugh, this is driving me crazy. Just a few days ago, she wanted her dad to take her away from here, and now she's blackmailing me for not playing with her? Right at that moment, Ethan called. Hi, Cindy. I just want to check on you two. Is Clarice sick or anything? Ugh, what on earth is this? Am I crazy? Or are these two actually weird? OMG. I need Mike. Now. Please, take me away from here. I said as I opened the door for Mike. Stop! Clarice shouted. You two can't go anywhere. Oh, now you're telling me what not to do? If you go, I'll tell the whole world how badly you've been treating me. You'll both go to jail. So that's your scam? Her smirk disappeared. She turned pale and stuttered. N no, it, it was my dad's. Your dad's scam? Clarice looked flustered as she realized what she had just blurted out. Then she quickly covered it up. Nothing! Mike sat down and looked at her with stern eyes. 
I stood there, waiting for the answer. I... um... my daddy made me! Eventually, Clarice confessed. Turns out, Ethan was a professional scammer who scams young, wealthy girls into giving him money. Worse, he dragged his daughter into his scheme. The plan went like this. He used his handsome looks to flirt with the girls, then Clarice's cuteness to get the girls' empathy. After that, he would go on some last-minute business trip and ask them to take care of Clarice. Meanwhile, Clarice would pretend to be seriously sick. When Ethan arrived back, he would persuade the girls to hand over money for hospital fees, then he and Clarice would disappear out of their lives. At first he told me to do what he said and he'd get me a bike! What about the abusing lie you made up? I asked, still shocked. I made up that excuse so Dad would take me away. I really like you, so I don't want his plan to work. Then why did you continue to act up? Because Cindy was mad at me, and I wanted her to play with me, so I pulled that trick again. Tears streamed down my face. Unbelievable! I voluntarily stepped into his trap right at the beginning. He didn't even have to do much. I felt like such an idiot. After that, we exposed Ethan. Clarice helped us too. Turns out, he's bankrupt, which is why his wife left him and why he's no longer my dad's business partner. Ethan was arrested, but Clarice's mom was out of the country and she refused to return for her daughter. To be honest, I love Clarice, and I didn't want her to live in the orphanage. So I let her live at my place for a while before I told my parents everything. Obviously, my parents have more capacity and power to deal with this. It took a while for Clarice to get over her guilt and settle in, but now we get on better than ever. She's a sweet, cute girl who deserves far better than her parents have given her. Then one day, I came back home from college to find Clarice placing some roses on the dining table, which was already romantically set up with candles and steak. Cindy, you're back! How can you prepare a full dinner like this? Clarice didn't say anything. She just giggled and ran to her room. Someone hugged me from behind. Would you mind being my date tonight? It was Mike. Thinking about it, I guess my perfect man was right under my nose this entire time. So, grinning, I turned around and replied, I thought you'd never ask. Share this podcast to all social media, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook and so on and you'll be given a shout out. Also drop your social media username so that we can find you. Thanks for your support. Make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel by clicking the link in this episode description. You should also please follow or subscribe to our other podcast My Animated Story by clicking on this episode description. And also, kindly please rate and review this podcast by... One evening, as always, I was returning from college. My favorite music was playing in my headphones. Suddenly my head began to ring so much that I lost my orientation in space. I grabbed my head, my legs began to shake, and everything went black. I fell on the ground and apparently passed out. 
When I woke up, I was already in the hospital. There was no one around me, which was strange. The doctors were not guarding me at my bed and, and reacted to my seizure calmly for one reason. Thanks to the medical card, which I was always carrying with me, they had already been aware of my disease. This disease is quite rare, and because of it, I might lose consciousness a couple of times a month, sometimes even more often, just like that day. In other words, I'm used to waking up in hospitals. Living with this illness is very difficult. For example, I might get hurt if I fall. There were times when I woke up without my belongings and my phone. Someone had stolen them. I also never go out during winter because I'm afraid of losing consciousness and freezing to death. Ah, in general, it sucks. The doctors at the hospital patched me up and told me to be more careful in the future. Yes, I would gladly do so. But how? I was already leaving the hospital when one of the doctors ran up to me. He handed me a business card and told me to call the phone number on it. According to him, in this place, I could be helped with my disease. Since the disease did not allow me to live a normal life, I firmly decided to call the indicated number as soon as I returned home. But before calling, I decided to look for information about this place on the internet. Strangely, my query didn't return any results. I was already beginning to doubt whether it was worth messing with these guys. Lost in thought, I looked out the window. Little, beautiful snowflakes were falling outside the window. Winter was just around the corner. I loved and hated winter at the same time. My illness did not give me a chance to enjoy this time of year, and it was precisely the unwillingness to be locked up for several months that made me, nevertheless, dial the number indicated on the business card. A stern voice in the receiver told me the address and the next day I went there. The building was located on the outskirts of the city, far from my house, and it was very inconvenient to get there. I even walked a couple of kilometers on foot. Approaching the large iron gate, I saw the guards. They asked me to introduce myself and inform who was waiting for me. They found my name on the list and finally let me in. The place looked more like a prison and not like an innovative scientific center specialized in incurable diseases. I decided that perhaps their treatment methods were so unique that they should be kept in the utmost security. The scene inside the building cleared up all my doubts. I saw dozens of people in white coats and some kind of mysterious equipment. The same doctor from the hospital came up to me. He praised me for my courage and trust in them and promised that from that moment my life would change. He seemed very nice. Dr. Archer, that was his name, brought me to the other patients. It seemed that there were about 50 of them. The same as me, each of them suffered from some serious illness and dreamed of being free from it. The doctor spoke into the microphone and everyone present heard his voice coming from the speakers. He said that the medicine we would be taking was experimental. This did not exclude side effects. He paused, obviously expecting a reaction from us. Side effects? Well, that's something new. The patients in the room began talking loudly. Someone headed towards the exit. I decided to stay. I no longer wanted to be hostage to my own disease. There were only seven volunteers left. Archer brought us some papers that needed to be signed. I read the text, and there was nothing suspicious about it, just a standard remission of claim. I calmly put my signature down. The doctor explained that for the next few days, we would be undergoing various tests and have some samples taken. This would help to understand whether the medication would be effective in our case. He invited us to go to our rooms. I did not expect that I would have to stay here for a long time. However, when I saw the room, I was pleasantly surprised. All doubts were cleared up. It was excellent. For the next few days, various professors and scientists took blood from us and for some reason asked us to take tests to identify the level of our intelligence. We were even put in some sort of centrifuge, similar to the one in which astronauts train. It was almost the same, only slightly smaller. I was hoping that the overloads for us would also not be so serious. 
One morning, Dr. Archer knocked on my room. He said that there was news for me and the other patients and asked to follow him. Archer gathered all the remaining volunteers and said that, unfortunately, not all of us had passed the test, only two out of seven people. He opened the folder and read the names. The first name he announced was a young guy with whom I had already made friends, Peter Green. He came here because of his heart problems. At this point, I already began to worry. After all these endless tests, I really didn't want to go home with nothing. Dr. Archer adjusted his glasses and suddenly said my name, Julia Thatcher. I took a step forward, barely restraining the urge to rush to the doctor and hug him, but I managed to cope with my emotions. The doctor explained that we would be staying, and the other volunteers had to leave. People started protesting because they also wanted to get this wonder medicine. But then the guards entered the room. Seeing them, the volunteers reluctantly began to leave the premises. There were three of us left. The doctor took us to another room. He assured us by explaining that they had to send away those people because the medicine could have caused severe side effects on them. But our test results showed that the risk of getting a side effect was only 1%. After these words, we sighed with relief. The doctor opened some safe. I saw many mysterious test tubes and two syringes filled with some kind of glowing green liquid. Archer said that now all our sufferings would come to an end. We approached the doctor. He gave injections to Peter and me by slowly inserting the vaccine. When he started injecting me with this green liquid, I felt an intolerable itch in my eyes, as if soap had gotten into them. Peter, on the other hand, was acting strange. His look became somehow wild, and he suddenly rushed at the doctor. Luckily, the guards came up in time, and Peter was taken out of the office. Doctor said that all of these effects were temporary, and recommended that I go to my room to rest and recover strength. I did as I was told. However, one of the guards, for some reason, walked me all the way to the room and locked the door with a key as soon as I got inside. Dr. Archer came to see me again in the evening. I complained to him that I was not feeling well and said that I wanted to go home. The doctor was no longer as friendly as he had been. He did not comment on my words in any way and instead began to ask me questions. Archer asked how my eyes were. I replied that they seemed to be burning. The doctor smiled and suddenly his face changed. He jumped up from the chair and started insulting and threatening me. He said that I was just a laboratory rat and would never get out of here again. I was shocked. Finally, I realized how stupid I had been to voluntarily arrive at this evil clinic. Fear, anger, and resentment were so strong that I could not help bursting into tears. But the doctor, seeing me cry, started laughing. Several salty drops fell on the floor. I noticed that they were greenish in color and suddenly burned through the floor. They seemed to be very poisonous. Archer was clearly pleased with what he saw. Without a word, he left the room. I noticed that he had come to me on his own. There was no guard at the door. Several questions bothered me. What happened to me? Why were my tears burning my eyes and literally burning everything around? And was it true that I would not leave the walls of this strange place ever again? My head was aching unbearably. There was no strength left in me. I tried to sleep. When I woke up in the morning, I decided to leave the room and found out that the door was locked. In a panic, I started banging on it with my fists. The door flew open and there was Dr. Archer with two guards standing in the doorway. 
Mad with anger, I rushed to the doctor with my fists, but one of the guards pushed me away. You're a liar, I shouted. Where is the lie here? The doctor asked with a smile. He showed me the documents in his hands. It was the agreement where I put my signature not so long ago. Here is your consent to conduct experiments. Conditions have been met. The medicine worked. You no longer have to be afraid of suddenly passing out. But I must confess I have cheated a little. He added, grinning. I left you with Peter. Not because you were the only ones with minimal risk of side effects, but because the medicine was supposed to affect you in a special way. Your side effects are very unusual and would be very useful for our organization. Your tears contain the strongest poison. For you, this poison is safe, but for others, it is deadly. This poison is the newest, most sophisticated chemical weapon, and its traces cannot be found. The doctor said that Peter also showed some abilities, but they were absolutely useless for the organization. I was shocked by what I had heard. All I wanted was just to be cured of my disease. I don't want to kill anyone. You'll have to cry a little. The doctor handed me an empty test tube and nodded to the guards to make me fulfill his assignment. But their help was not necessary. I was very frightened, hurt, and unbearably homesick. Tears literally gushed out of my eyes. Surprisingly, the poison did not corrode the walls of the flask. Apparently, it was made of a special material. Seeing that I was obediently collecting my tears into it, the doctor and his guards departed. I was crying and filling the flask with my tears. Tears kept dripping and dripping until the container was filled to the brim. At first, I still had a glimmer of hope that everything that was happening was just a nightmare and I would soon wake up, but time was passing and nothing was changing. The doctor continued to threaten me and demanded more and more test tubes to be filled with poisonous tears. I no longer knew how long I had been within the walls of this terrible laboratory and just dreamed of getting out. But how to do that? The answer came suddenly at the very moment when I was handing over another flask filled with tears. Here it was, my ticket to freedom. I decided to run away. Choosing the moment when the flask with the poison had not yet been taken from me. Sneaking up to the door, I looked through the keyhole. There was no guard. It seemed that someone did not take his job very seriously. I poured some of the poisonous liquid into the keyhole. A hissing sound came from inside, and very soon a small hole was gaping in the door. I pushed the door and found myself in the corridor. No one from the employees was there, just a lot of closed doors to the right and left. Some of them were made of glass, and behind them I could make out empty rooms with gray walls. They were all empty, except for one. I stopped and looked closely. Huddled in a corner, there was Peter sitting on the floor. I knocked on the door. Peter heard it, jumped to his feet, rushed to the door, and began pounding on it. I did not know what they had done to him, but he behaved like an animal and looked accordingly. I gestured to him to be quiet, but he continued pounding. He didn't seem to recognize me at all. I swear I wanted to free him, but then a siren went off in the hallway. I heard the approaching footsteps and shouts of the guards. I could not risk that. I could get caught. Looking into Peter's empty eyes, I realized that there was nothing left of my friend. I had to leave him. The guards were already close. I had to hide somewhere, so I ran down the corridor. Suddenly, I saw garbage cans and a garbage chute next to them. With nothing left to do, I jumped into it and slid down the dark pipe until I fell on the bags. As I jumped, I was still holding the flask with the remains of the poison in my hand. 
but after falling, I dropped it. I tried to find it among the bags, but it was useless. There was no time for a search. I had to get out. I moved forward gropingly, not knowing where I was going. Suddenly, I bumped into the grate. I tried to squeeze between the bars, but I couldn't. That was it. My escape was over. I was heartbroken. I remembered everything that I had to go through and the empty eyes of Peter behind the glass door. Covering my face with my hands, I burst into tears. Tears were burning my palms. And suddenly it struck me. Tears. Well, of course. I put my hands, wet with tears, on the bars of the grate. The metal hissed as tears began to eat away at it. I managed to burn out a small hole in the bars. I was able to squeeze through it, but the guards would never have been able to do so. To my great happiness, I soon found myself on the street. Freedom! Finally! I looked around and suddenly noticed the road. Cars were driving past every now and then. One of them immediately stopped when the driver saw me. I explained to him that I had gotten lost and really wanted to go home. He asked where to take me. I thought that I could not go home. They would be looking for me there in the first turn. So I asked the driver where he was going, and hearing the direction said that I needed there as well. I was hoping that the magical medication would help me to cope with my disease, and now I would have to hide for the rest of my days, fearing that the employees of the mysterious organization would find me. I'm sure that they are still looking for me. It's really scary. Scary that my abilities can be used to harm other people. Where can I ask for help? Maybe some kind of institution? Share this podcast to all social media, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook and so on and you'll be given a shout out. Also drop your social media username so that we can find you. Thanks for your support. Make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel by clicking the link in this episode description. You should also please follow or subscribe to our other podcast My Animated Story by clicking on this episode description. And also, kindly please rate and review this podcast by... When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment your work stress disappears as you kayak through the canyons. Or the moment you discover the life-changing effects of prickly pear chocolate. But nothing beats the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the very first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.